Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Governors for Schools podcast. We're delighted to be launching this new venture as we launch our latest campaign, Counting the Cost, which will explore the impact of the cost of living crisis on the education sector and how governors can support schools to make the most of their budgets. Counting the Cost will run throughout May and will release one episode for each week of the campaign. Once the campaign is wrapped up, you can continue to enjoy your regular podcast fix covering all things governance as we plan to keep this channel alive all year round. Watch this space for further updates about the future of the Governors for Schools podcast and remember to spread the word among your friends, colleagues and networks. So what can you expect from counting the cost? As you're probably well aware, governors are facing tougher challenges than ever as school budgets are squeezed and families struggle to cover some of the costs associated with pupils' education. From rising energy bills to staffing costs, the current financial situation is affecting every aspect of school life, and it's up to governors to ask the right questions during board meetings to ensure school leaders feel supported during this uniquely challenging period. This is where our campaign comes in. Over the coming weeks, we'll release a range of informative resources to help existing and prospective governors, as well as those with a passion for education, get to grips with the cost of living crisis and learn how governance can make a positive difference in young people's lives. We'll cover a different topic each week, including school estates and buildings, issues facing parents and carers, learning opportunities and extracurricular experiences, and staff-related issues. As well as podcasts, we'll be releasing video content and informative articles to develop your knowledge surrounding governance and the cost of living crisis. Don't forget to check out our campaign webpage at www.governorsforschools.org.uk. We also encourage listeners to join the discussion on our Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn pages, where we'll be posting the latest updates from the campaign. Finally, we'd like to extend our gratitude to Alan and Overy, whose generous support has helped us produce all materials for counting the cost. We look forward to engaging with you throughout the campaign. Happy listening and don't forget to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts. Hi everyone, I'm Leah, part of the marketing and communications team here at Governors for Schools. I'm delighted to be hosting the first in a series of interviews for our Counting the Cost campaign. This week, we're looking at how governors can support schools with buildings and estate management throughout the cost of living crisis. As listeners are probably well aware, energy costs have shot up over the past year or so due to soaring wholesale gas prices. Despite the government's introduction of caps and grants to lower energy bills, households and organisations across the country are struggling with unprecedented inflation in energy prices. For schools, balancing the books is even trickier when energy costs are sky high. So how can school leaders mitigate energy costs by reducing consumption and boosting energy efficiency? And what are the other benefits of embedding energy efficiency energy efficiency in the overall school strategy. To help answer these questions, I'm delighted to be joined by Nikki Webb, Senior Energy and Carbon Consultant at Energy Education Charity Energy Sparks. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Leah. And we're delighted to have you here. So let's get into it. Um, So to start us off, can you tell me a little bit more about Energy Sparks and how you help schools across the country? 
Of course, yeah. Um, so Energy Sparks is um, an organisation or it's an, an online energy analysis tool uh, and an education programme for schools in the UK. So we help schools to reduce their gas and electricity use by using um, their smart meter data. We're a small charity. Uh, we originated in the area around Bath um, and we began life as a, as a project supported by Transition Bath. Um, up until now, we've had the majority of our funding from central government mm -hmm. and some additional funding from energy companies and other charitable foundations. And it means that we've been able to offer our services for free to state schools, which is proving to be very important, I think, to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sorry, <laughs> just talk over you. Um, mm -hmm. So at the time of recording as well, so this is, um, we're recording this in April, we are still reviewing our options for funding um, and whether we'll be able to still offer it for free from September. So right. um, some areas are likely to be funded through um, our partners or local authorities, uh, but we may have to start charging some schools uh, to use the service, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah. Sorry, you go. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. No, that's obviously, you know, it's interesting and to give us that background. And, and obviously, we hope that you get the funding that, that you need to carry, in, carry on offering those services that are really important to schools, especially Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what we do, so we, um, the service that we provide really helps our school leaders to, uh, and, and actually the whole school community to better mm -hmm. understand their energy use. Um, and we also introduce wider measures as well to help reduce the carbon footprint of the school. Mm -hmm. um, should I tell you a bit about how we do it? <laughs> Give you some yeah, ideas? Yeah, no, that, that bit, yep, it all helps, yep. yep. So we display uh, energy data, uh, the energy use data in really clear charts. So taking it from being, you know, just a, a bill that you pay at the end of the month to actually being able to see at what time of day uh, anybody uh, uses their energy. So it's really, really clearly set out with really clear recommendations as well. Um, I previously worked in the climate emergency team for a local authority. There's a huge mm -hmm. amount of focus on how expensive the energy transition is and how much investment we need to make to, to run our homes and our community buildings more efficiently. But actually, there's a huge amount that we can do and really big savings to be made by, by most schools and uh, you know, lots of other buildings as well. But just by reducing the amount of energy that's used uh, when the school is closed. So although investment is needed, that's not the first thing that a school should do. And the other thing that's really important, which you did talk about a bit before, was was involving pupils. So we have a lot of resources for students to learn about the climate crisis, about what energy is and where it comes from and how to reduce the amount of energy that we use in our schools and our homes. Um, and although there is staff uh, input required to, to use Energy Sparks, in the long term, it, it can be really helpful having really active pupils can reduce that staff burden on energy management so if you've got pupils that are making sure that everything's switched off at lunchtime and the end of school uh, and they can have some of the tricky conversations as well with caretakers yeah. and kitchen staff that can really help the school business managers and anybody else trying to do it yeah absolutely and I think you know it's great to involve the pupils because obviously they're the future ge generation as well but also absolutely. just by uh, actually understanding how that energy consumption is actually used rather than like like you said just thinking okay we need more money it's like okay how can we be smarter with this um so I suppose it would be interesting interesting for us all to know um how many educational establishments are you currently working with right now 
so understandably in the last year with rising energy prices we are we've become very popular mm-hmm. so this time last year we had about 300 active schools on ng sparks and we now have over a thousand so i checked this morning 1017 schools my goodness and that's across england scotland and wales wow so it's it's grown hugely then <laughs> it really has so i started in september with ng sparks and we had i think we just crossed into 400 at that point so it's a real change this year yeah and it's great to see that schools are obviously using the the services that you offer as well and um, through this much needed time and um, so we just touched on it then about um, energy costs um, increasing over the past year can you tell us a bit more about probably the state of schools um, that they're currently in in terms of their energy usage at the moment and are you seeing that schools are uh, consuming excess energy yeah, okay. So I think it helps to get an idea of the, the scale of most of the cost of energy for schools as well mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So until recently, most schools were paying about 15p per kilowatt hour for electricity and about 3p for gas. And looking at the, the average spend per pupil for our energy spark schools, a typical two form entry primary school would spend between about 25 and £30,000 a year uh, and a typical secondary school with about a thousand people um a thousand pupils would spend between 80 and a thousand pounds per year on energy but in the last year and and certainly sort of we've just got to the end of a, a financial year for local authorities um we're seeing energy prices going up by three or four times in some cases wow. even more than that yes and i know there are lots of different units involved when you talk about energy as well so I think talking pounds really helps because it tends to be easy to talk about you know everyone knows what it means rather than kilowatt hours and kilowatts and carbon dioxide savings and things like that but at the moment the amount spent can because of how different schools are on different tariffs the amount spent can massively change or be very different between different schools so the numbers um, I'm going to quote a couple of numbers in a a minute but the things that I'm quoting at the moment are kind of those long-term average costs yeah so they could actually be much much higher Mm. so for an average school we tend to see that more than 60% of their energy use takes place outside of school hours so when the school is either completely empty or has you know, quite a small number of staff or, you know, a few pupils on site. So that could easily be £50,000 a year for most secondary schools or fifteen pounds to £20,000 for primary. Um, and, you know, on those new higher tariffs, much more than that. So for mm-hmm. most schools, if we can reduce that out of hours spend or out of hours energy use down to 50% or 55%, it's, it's good, that could save them thousands of pounds every year. And these sorts of yeah. changes are usually completely free to do and relatively simple. Yeah, it, it, sound, it, yeah, it, it sounds like a more simple solution is kind of looking at what they're doing, you know, after those school hours rather than just what's in those school hours, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we kind of touched on this just in your um, last answer, but how significant could the cost savings be if they were just a bit smarter about their usage? So just being a bit smarter easily. So obviously it depends on the size of the school, Mm -hmm. but they can easily save uh, sort of 10% of their energy use by by being a bit smarter, you know, savings around the edges, savings when the, when the school's closed and um, and you know, even more than that for, for some schools as well. Mm-hmm. 
What areas do you think that schools tend to consume the most energy? Okay, so that can be quite a difficult one to to answer. So I think typically when it comes to cost, Mm -hmm. the the costs are split about 50-50 between gas and electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're thinking about carbon dioxide emissions then it, then it's much skewed much more towards uh, gas so if if you're trying to save carbon emissions then then is, gas is the higher part if you're trying to save money then then it's sort of 50 50 between the two and for for gas generally it's um about 60 percent of the gas is used for, for space heating heating the rooms and about 40 percent for hot water so uh, hot water i think is, is quite a surprising amount of mm. of the gas consumption and then when it comes to electricity it's it's more difficult to you know it's much more spread out there are a lot of different things that can use electricity so it's much more difficult to say that one thing in particular uses a lot so you know, you've got your lights it equipment kitchen equipment science labs for for um, secondary schools uh, um but there are also i guess quite a lot of schools now using electricity for their heating so it is much more spread out much more difficult but also there are different people that that have control in these different things so for gas yeah. it's generally you know it's the the caretaker the facilities managers who can make that change for electricity there's a bit more power in the in the pupils hands they can switch things off yes and i think as well the the things the things that often use a lot of electricity are the things that are switched on all you know running at all times so uh, fridges and freezers and uh, IT servers can use quite a lot of, of that electricity if they're, if they're not very efficient. Right, okay, no, that's that's interesting. And I suppose that all kind of links back to as well, it's the size of the school. Um, it's it's obviously going to have a big difference in that, isn't it, in terms of yeah. those costs. The, the bigger the building, the higher the, higher the costs. Um, yeah. What do you think, I mean, we, again, we've, we, we have touched on this slightly. You've mentioned um, things that we can do out of school hours. But what would you recommend as some, you know, simple solutions to cutting energy consum- consumptions that governors can bring to, board meetings yeah okay so in general i think that the most important thing is to to understand your energy consumption so when Mm -hmm. how much you use how do you compare to other schools um so trying to make sure that you have uh, a modern smart meter that you can get decent access to energy data is really really important but even if you don't have that perfect access you don't wait to have the perfect data to to make changes. So some of the simple solutions, I've got a few that I've just noted down to make sure I say to you. Oh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I mean, I, I don't know what, exactly when everyone's going to be listening to this, but we are in the summer term now. We've started summer term. Yeah. Make sure the, sweet, the heating is switched off. Even in, if you're in the very far north of the country, once the school is full of hundreds of people, it's unlikely to need much heating. Yeah. So in the longer term, make sure the heating and hot water are off during weekends and holidays. Just have frost protection settings and and make sure that those settings are working properly as well. Mm-hmm. And then hot water, make sure the system is is off. So I did say that, didn't I? Hot water off at yes. weekends and holidays. Just make sure it's flushed before the end of a long holiday so that, that any risk of Legionella is is reduced. 
Right, heating. So when the heating is on, make sure that it doesn't come on too early in the mornings. So we often have a lot of schools that, that don't have a clue that their heating starts at one o'clock in the morning until they see their gas consumption on, on energy sparks. So even if you, you think you've got it licked, um, it's not always uh, as, as, you know, often the systems don't work exactly how we expect them to. And I think because gas has been very cheap for a very long time, so yeah. heating engineers generally um, set systems up to keep the school nice and warm and nice and comfortable. They don't want complaints that their heating system is not doing what it's meant to do. Um, so unless you have um, a school caretaker or facilities manager or anyone else who has specific heating systems knowledge and you know are really comfortable mm. with using that and meddling with the system, you know, they, they don't always feel like they can investigate further or question how things have been set up uh, on their behalf. So making sure that you, you really understand the system and it's not coming on too early is really important. So on that note, controls. Controls is really, really important. So getting mm -hmm. better boiler controls, uh, adding timer switches to things like T-urns or storage heaters so that they're not just on 24 hours a day. They can co go off in the evenings or go off at, at weekends. Um, and we recently had one of our schools actually who they look like they're going to save tens of thousands of pounds every year because they have installed an automatic switch off for all their ne networked IT equipment. So 8 p.m. every day, everything switches off. Yeah. And it's such a simple solution. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Yeah, of course. No, I think they're all simple and quite easy things for, you know, for schools to, to implement yeah. and to do. And I think that I think even, you know, not even just schools, I think we're all guilty sometimes of not really understanding our bills or, mm. or, or, or where we're even, you know, where we can make those cost savings. Because I think sometimes we it's just habit, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. So with with that, you've talked about, obviously, um, understanding the, the energy consumption, but how how easy is it to get? that that visibility in terms of your uh, meters do you mean yeah how how easy would it be for schools to, to get those so for most schools some sometimes they would need to um, to upgrade their their smart meter or they might need their smart meters or their, their meter to be upgraded to be a smart meter um, yeah. and in some circumstances as well um the the meet the billing is slightly more expensive to be able to get full access to their data right something like a hundred pounds a year to get better access to your data right. but when you think about the thousands of pounds that you could save um mm -hmm. it's a very good idea to do it the other thing as well to get a better idea of, of what you're using is is those plug-in uh appliance monitors so they're very cheap to buy again so from yeah, and DIY shops or anything about fifteen pounds. You plug yeah. plug, it, plug it into your uh, your fridges, your IT equipment, or any any other appliances. If you leave those plugged in for a day or a week, work out how much each of those things are costing you over a whole year. And it might be that you find there are some things that use a lot more electricity than than you thought. Mm -hmm. And we've got some really lovely uh, case studies on our website from schools that have upgraded servers or fridges and saved hundreds of pounds a year on on those changes. No, that's that's great because I, I think some people wouldn't necessarily know about those. And I think mm. that, again, for, for governors going into board meetings, they're great things to be able to recommend to the board. So, no, yeah. that's great. Um, and beyond any cost saving benefits, why do you think schools should get involved with energy saving initiatives? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we are we're absolutely at a crunch time now for for carbon emissions. Um, mm-hmm. So, ca- loads of councils, uh, hundreds of councils across the country have net zero plans. Um, so does the the Church of England, uh, many multi academy trusts, and the schools themselves all have these um, really sort of strict and tight deadlines, but not necessarily, you know, the the funding behind it to do that so nationally internationally we we know we have to cut emissions dramatically we have Mm -hmm. to cut them quickly um and we can't simply i think there's so often we sort of wait for this perfect plan or this huge investment um to be able to make those differences and but we can really make a lot of them you know quite quickly quite quite simply straight away um i think using something like energy sparks shows shows the school community that the school is taking action that they're taking it really seriously and that that climate change is a priority for the school mm-hmm. children know about climate change they want to learn about it in school and many are deeply worried about their future so if schools aren't seen to be taking action it can really add to that um, yeah. feeling of, of anxiety and you know, having schools at the at the heart of our communities can, if we're improving the knowledge and the abilities of our our school staff and our students to act on climate change, as well as you know saving saving ourselves lots of money, it's incredibly valuable that they can take that back, take that home, and hopefully do you know do more for themselves as well. Um, and then on a completely different note to to, to yeah. that, um, I, I think it's a really valuable way of of learning about your subjects in a much more applied way. So using you know, doing maths and science, using real life examples, having real life impacts is is really valuable so having real relevant data like the school's energy data can be it can be really easily included in maths and science lessons and really engage those pupils uh, promote those those projects and conversations about energy efficiency um, and and giving their sort of personal responsibility and we do also offer uh, lessons that meet national curriculum requirements so they should slot relatively easily into science geography maths um, as well as having that extension into sort of other subjects like English and I know I don't know about you but the, the, the things that really stick in my head from school are the ones that I actually can physically see and understand and uh, you know apply to real life so yeah just, I just always imagine a you know 10 or 11 year old using a graph to I- identify saving thousands of pounds or tons of carbon it would be it'd be incredible yeah yeah, definitely, and and I think there's there's also quite a lot of of other skills that are not necessarily curriculum based. So these sort of leadership skills and project management, confidence building, really um, very useful useful skills in there. And also, don't forget that we've got the the DFE uh, now requires all schools in England to have a sustainability lead by uh, 2025. So having something like NG Sparks starting schools on that kind of sustainability journey can be very helpful. Yeah, no, yeah, that's really interesting. And obviously, you know, we've spoken a little bit about how we, um, you know, involve children and pupils into like real life examples mm. um, in terms of um, understanding um, energy saving initiatives and everything to do with climate change. Um, but it, do you think there's anything else um, additionally we could do to encourage children in that? Mm. Um, so I think it's it's really important to show children and young people and actually people of any age, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, that you can really make a difference to the world around you. So when it comes to climate change, I think a lot of people feel completely powerless. So what yeah. difference can 
little old me me what can my choices do i'm just one person you know that's a real feeling of anxiety and i'm sure sure you felt that at times i definitely have yes definitely so um just imagine it you know if one person in that school starts a school uh, an eco group a school council or something and they find some savings for their school and and realize that they can make these changes and they're actually mm-hmm. part of a community of over a thousand other schools doing the exact same thing it feels like this is real change that we're making yeah um so we did um a, a bit of a comparison exercise recently looking at the energy consumption during autumn term so the, the term we've just had and then compared it with the previous one mm. so we had about uh, 360 schools with enough data to to do that full comparison of the two terms and of those um 74 of them reduced their total energy consumption and it was a total saving of over wow. five five uh five million kilowatt hours of energy and more than 900 tons so that's just in a four-month period that that happened oh my goodness wow that feeling of a yes I've done a thing I've I've really made that difference is is incredible so you know children want to do what's right they want to do what's fair they're concerned about climate change um and being able to see it I think as well that's the other thing about energy sparks is you can see it really really quickly so um I've worked in reporting emissions for for many years and nationally and internationally it takes a a good two years to see the impact of any policy change in the numbers Mm. for energy spark schools it's days so if you do switch off uh, switch everything off on a Wednesday afternoon you by the next Wednesday you'll have all of that data you'll be able to see the information you know the the impact of exactly what you've done oh excuse me (laughs) no that's Um, okay (laughs) so yeah I think that's one of those really powerful things um the other thing that we have is a is the pupil dashboard so we have an adult version of energy sparks and we have a pupil version yeah and the pupil one has additional um equivalences so it gives you a comparison of you know, how many trees would you need to plant to offset your emissions, how many miles you'd have to drive to produce uh, the same amount of uh, of carbon dioxide, or how many months of back-to-back computer gaming their school's electricity consumption could power. Most young people, or actually probably adults for that matter, have absolutely no idea how much a school spends on energy and you know providing those sorts of comparisons can be mind-blowing, I think, to see how yeah. much their school is is spending on energy and, and how much they're using yes I think oh, the final thing I was going to say as well was competitions so we do yeah <laughs> we do run <laughs> competitions and um, which is always nice I think I think it, it, sometimes it's for the adults more than the pupils as well seeing that <laughs> we've got a few schools that have very healthy competitions between you know one or two schools in the same uh, academy trust that yeah. want to be doing better so when when pupils log activities, then they earn points. And at the end of the year, the schools with the highest points will earn money towards energy efficiency improvements. We've also got a, a little hamper of of goodies, of sort of energy monitors and some climate related books and things like that, that is going to go to the school with the, the biggest energy saving over the Easter holidays. So things like that, I think, are always pretty exciting. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a wonderful idea. Getting everyone a little bit, a bit of healthy competition mm. does does no harm. And I think, Definitely. like you said, I think it's really important um, when you know children and young people actually get to see the impact of what they're they're doing and and the change that that's making. I think that can only encourage them more. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so 
in going back to sort of the, the, the board meetings with um, governors and schools, um, what questions do you think school governors uh, could be asking school leaders about their energy consumption? Right. Excellent question. Um, so mm. if schools, if there are schools in England, mm-hmm. I think it'd be really important to find out what the school has spent or is planning to spend their spend their DfE uh, additional capital capital funding on. So that was um, an allocation of funding in December, December 2022, they were given uh, towards energy efficiency improvements, but it wasn't ring fenced to energy efficiency. So um, we, we ran some training sessions in the last few months about what the best investments for that money were and there's a blog post on our website about that as well so that's a really good question to ask and if you're not in England if you're in uh, Wales or Scotland um, there are also the the Salix energy efficiency um, grants that they can they grant loans that they can get as well uh, and they'd all be through the local authority so I think for for schools in England and Scotland it's I think it's a good idea to work as closely as possible with the local authorities to see mm-hmm. you know, how how can the school support on how the um, the sort of net zero plans that they've got. How can the local authority support the school uh, and working together on those? Mm-hmm. I think other things to to ask about is getting uh, get, make sure that you understand you know, do you know how much the the school is spending on energy yeah. and also how much time is being spent trying to reduce those costs is there someone who has clear responsibility for energy saving is it in a job description and therefore yeah. you know performance reviews are related to it talking about responsibilities also just are there at critical times of the year so end of school term particularly you know, end of summer term is there someone whose job it is to switch everything off and or you know is there someone who's working on one area of the school and someone who's you know, if, is there a name and a responsibility to do those things and if you have sort of getting the boiler set up at the beginning of the winter you know whose responsibility is that to do who understands it do they actually need some training um to, uh, to get better understanding and a better sort of grasp on the controls as well i think that's quite important yeah Oh, other questions. Uh, policies as well, I think. Yeah. So do you have long term uh, pol- policies, plans, decarbonisation plans for your school? <coughs> Excuse me. Do you look at energy consumption when you purchase new appliances? So it's not just the cost of, of buying something, it's the cost of then powering it for the next few years. So that's probably quite a lot of questions for them to be asking. Yeah, no, they're, they're, all, they're all great points um, that they can bring to the table because I think sometimes it is knowing what to ask and, and mm. what to kind of look out for. Um, and I think, you know, because this is an issue that we've kind of not had to think about for or or just hasn't been thought about in a long time, talking mm. about bills going up and et cetera, it's now that we're in a position where all of a sudden it is so high and it's become a huge problem. It, it's quite hard sometimes to know what are the the right questions to be asking or how can we come up with, to, with a strategy to to help us to help us reduce those costs and those carbon emissions so mm-hmm. no I think those are really good points um, and also just kind of what you said about um, smart meters and things like that and um, the little things that might you know might be a cost to invest in um, straight away but if it's going to send you if, you, if it's going to save you money in the, the long term there might be worth investing in. Yeah, absolutely. So if a school is is re-procuring their, uh, their energy contract, um, chances are if they see this little itemised £100 for this meter, they might choose to to not get that bit. 
yeah um, yeah yeah and it can make a really big difference to to what they can see and what they can they, what they can do about it great thank you um, and just my last question is how can listeners discover more about your organization oh lovely question um mm-hmm. so have a look at our website so it's energy sparks oh energy sparks.uk <laughs> 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 don't, I don't often have to quote my own uh, uh, website. Um, so yeah, energysparks.uk, have a look on the website. All of our data is open data, so you can look at a school. So if there's a school near you that you want to look at that's you know a bit like your school or something like that, um, yeah. you can have a look at other schools' data. Um, on our main web web page, there is an enrol form. So yeah. although at the moment we don't have uh, funding to take on new schools, there is a waiting list so if you pop your name on that you will be on the waiting list and it could be that I'm you know by by the time this goes out there might not be a waiting list anymore and you might be able to get straight on so so do put your name down on there Um, and there's also um, on our website there are lots of case studies as well so they can show you some examples of what schools have done and and how much they've saved by doing that. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for all your advice and joining me today, Nikki. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners listeners have found this interview informative and will use your insights in future board meetings. Um, We wish you and Energy Sparks all the best in your mission to make our schools more energy efficient. Remember, by implementing energy saving measures in schools, we not only save money, but contribute to a more sustainable future for all. We encourage listeners to check out Energy Sparks, links which can be found in the show notes and on our campaign resources page at www.governorsforschools.org.uk. There you'll also find links to our campaign articles, video content and helpful resources about how governors can weather the cost of the living can weather the cost of the cost of living crisis. Many thanks to Alan and Overy for kindly sponsoring Counting the Cost and making it possible for the production of our campaign materials. Next week, we'll be looking at how the cost of living crisis is affecting parents, carers and families and how governors can help leaders support disadvantaged pupils through this difficult period. Bye for now and remember to to subscribe to our channel to keep enjoying governance-related podcasts podcast content. Thank you.